Welcome to Terrorgrams. Hi, I'm Craig Brazone, and I'll be your host for the 18th delivery of Terrorgrams. Today, we will talk to the Dutch landscape architect, Michael van Gezel. Michael has been honing his work in the landscape for over three decades and has produced a wide body of work ranging from private gardens to urban planning projects. He was born in Bangdong, Indonesia, part of the former Dutch Indies, and has also lived in Paris and Australia. At the Agriculture College of Wengingen, he has earned a BA in plant disease, landscape architecture, as well as an MA in landscape architecture. In 1977, he joined firm Bureau Bakker and Blieker, now B&B, and eventually directed the office from 91 to 1997. Since 97, he has been enjoying self-employment and independent consulting. An exhibition of his work was a focus of this year's Triennale of Landscape in the Dutch city of Apeldoorn, and coinciding with the event was the release of the self-entitled monograph of his work. Michael was a finalist for the Rosa Barber Prize of the 5th Biennale of Landscape in Barcelona. We are very happy to be joined by Michael van Gezer. Michael, thank you so much for taking your time out of the day, and thank you for joining us at Terrograms. Very welcome. You have a new monograph, uh, your first monograph, that overviews 30 years of your work. It's quite a significant book, both in size but also in content. Uh, it's entitled Invisible Work, and it compiles a series of very well-written essays together with some beautiful photos, and then it's sort of backloaded with some fantastic your, your sketches, your drawings. My first question is, in the profession, you're a landscape architect, in yeah. a profession which often lacks visibility, can you talk a little bit about the idea that the title of your book is invisible and how that might pose a certain um, complexity to, to the field of landscape architecture or your position within yeah. the field of landscape architecture? Oh, that's an interesting question because I never thought of that in that relationship. <laughs> must say, no, um, I, I don't have any, I, I see here in Barcelona where we're having this interview is that, 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 that there is still very much the discussion of the visibility of landscape architects as a profession and as an, oh, a profession in its own uh, worth or in its own uh, power towards architects. In Holland we don't have that, I said that's long past, I've, mm -hmm. I'm now working 30 years and I never feel that in that way. I feel very much acknowledged, I feel very much part of the world. I, I work a lot with architects and we're very, the, the two professions respect each other very much. But I see also that in other countries there's a difference mm -hmm. in that attitude. So. I never had that in that co uh, in that relationship, but the invisible work to come to the title of the book is because I find it a very great compliment if people come to where to into a project I've executed and they say, "Don't see anything, <coughs> haven't seen. What have you done here?" It is as though it's always been there. I love that the work I make is not about a pronunciation of "Look at me." Mm -hmm. uh, what I have, look what I have done, how clever I am in designing or whatever. No, I want to, want it to fit the landscape or the, the, the landscape or the cityscape or whatever scape it is in. And uh, at the same time, fit in its use of, of, of how people use it, how people experience their environment. And I, think, I, I consider it a great compliment if people uh, 
feel it's always been there and it fits. Mm -hmm. And that's also that's very much very important for landscape architects that you are grounded. That is, we were talking this morning about uh, uh, about the, the transition or the, uh, about about this 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 nostalgia and, and about people thinking very much that's important. Uh, uh, history is becoming very important, sort of a marketing, also a marketing history and tradition, a marketing purpose. But I think the world transforms continuously, and transformation in itself is lovely. That doesn't mean you have to keep the old, but you have to transform the old in something new. The word transformation means really old and new are indistinguishable. Old and you blend into a new whole mm -hmm. with respect of the old, but with addition of new. And that addition, the word addition is not good. It is blended into. It's like, so very natural it is blended in. That's the real meaning of transition. Not tabula rasa, not starting anew, not keeping one little part and drawing the rest mm -hmm. and adding something, but really blending it all together. And that I find fascinating. That's how cities work, that's mm -hmm. how landscapes work in a slower space, but that's how our environment is transforming to our needs of today and our promises for tomorrow, maybe I say, can mm -hmm. say something like that, or what we would mm -hmm. like tomorrow to be. But when you intervene in the landscape, you must certainly have some idea that you'd like to make something visible or something more yes. visible. I, 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 uh, lots of my projects I articulate. I think lots of landscapes are very, uh, become a, a green uh, soup, or uh, you know, they're, they're very dispersed, or very fragmented. So I, when I do a project, I first look at the. At, I, I try. It sounds very new age, but it is. <laughs> it is. I, I really, I, and I always do it on my own. Um, so often there are people around, but then when I always take time, maybe a day, maybe three days to really soak in the environment where I'm working at. Mm -hmm. I really want to get to know it. And, 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 and I'm with complete quietness and complete solitude, I look at what is, what is there, which, mm -hmm. what, how it speaks to me. And, 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 then, I, and then from that, I, 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 I integrate the new purposes and new uses. But especially, I, I try to, to enhance the, the, mm -hmm. the specific qualities and the beauty of that space. So, in that way, to articulate it means that it's not what what's gone is is, is gone, but what, what what is what is articulated, what is there more prominent than before, fits because it was already there. Do you have to sleep in your landscapes beforehand? No, I don't have to <laughs> no sleep. Camping. But, uh, no <laughs> camping. But I've never done that. But I've been uh, staying for three days at a, at a place mm -hmm. because I could could go into a hotel or whatever. In these first moments, when you're on site. Yes. Are you just looking, or are you also designing? No, I design, no. Are you are you sketching? No, I'm not sketching. I'm very much looking, but always in movement. I never sit, or I never stare. Or maybe I sit for a moment, but the, the, mostly I, because landscape is also. That's why it's so difficult to draw it. That's why it's also so difficult to make perspective because there's only one point of view, and landscape is. Is, is you experience landscape in movement, you experience it in the rhythm of how you walk through it or how you cycle through it or how you drive through it. It's mm -hmm. all different rhythm. You have to take account, take all those three things into account. So, you know, I move, mm -hmm. go one side and then I go the other side and I first move around it and then in it and then again around it. So it depends. 
sometimes just an afternoon because it's a small project right. or two hours but always have to do that otherwise I feel footloose mm -hmm. I don't feel not grounded I feel like I'm swimming mm -hmm. and when you get back to the office do you have only the memory of the landscape or no, have no. you also recorded uh, the landscape in other ways no I've, I've, I've made photos mm -hmm. but it's also uh, uh, yeah mostly photos photographed the landscape and I, I hardly use it because it's in my brain then mm -hmm. I hardly go back I, but I do go back with the first sketches and I look again and I go back and then I walk and then I know what the sketches are and what mm -hmm. I want to change don't go literally with the sketch but I know or the plan but I know what I want to know and then I look again and I see if it's feasible what I think because it's often also different if you know what you want to do what you, how you want to right. intervene how you want to position your yeah, idea yeah in your monograph, one of the essays talks about your process as a combination between analysis and intuition. Yes. Where and when do they start and stop? And clearly, it may not be so uh, simple as that. How do they overlap? The analysis, analysis uh, is, 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 is already uh, intuition because you can analyze something in very different ways. So when I start analyzing and I start drawing, I always draw the anal analysis. I draw it in a, in a certain fashion and I, I notice that I draw, I don't, don't ever do it the same way. Mm -hmm. It depends very much on the project, how I do it. Because I think it's, this is about space or this is about ecology, how the how it works in an ecological manner, or this is about how people use a space, so for instance a piazza or whatever, how do, then I just look how people use it at this moment, and what, what's wrong with it, where, where it stops and why it's empty on one mm -hmm. side. And, and very, so it can be very different than I make a pattern of use, or I made a pattern of, of evening or, or day. It's, it depends very much what topics I need and so it's always different, but I try analyzing is more or less dissecting. Is that a word in English? Mm -hmm. Dissecting, like like you 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 have a piece of a bone or a, mm -hmm. a, a cow which you slaughtered, <laughs> and then you have to dissect from bones and certain parts. And that's how you do it. And sometimes it's it's very different. It depends on the animal. Mm -hmm. So it depends on the project how you do it. Mm -hmm. That's more or less how I say. It. And. Um, so it's never a certain man. And so I, the intuition is already in there because I. And, and, and then I just, there are chance things that happen. And, and, and chance must be, it's not for nothing, again, maybe it's very new age, but I feel very much that, that things happen because they happen at that moment. And I feel um, that is inspiring. It's not always literally taken, but it inspires me. Also, if I draw, then, then, then something, yeah, I'm busy with another project and that inspires the first one or I suddenly have a, an insight and then I use things that are from other projects in this project which mm -hmm. has nothing to do with each other but because I think of it because mm -hmm. it, it suddenly has a flash of is that can be in the shower in the morning mm -hmm. and I quick can't, can't mm -hmm. wait to run upstairs to my office and test it so you're not you're not organizing your ideas or your flashes of inspiration by a project you're no. letting them they, they, they stay take over up. They let them something, but it, it, it sounds as though I'm very frivolous and just letting <laughs> things go. But I've learned that I was I, I was very mathematical when starting mm -hmm. uh, my profession 30 years ago. I was insecure 
more insecure, and then I was thinking I have to analyze, and also the in Wageningen where I studied, you had was great, great emphasis on analyzing it correctly. We had all Ian McHark and, mm-hmm. and all those, then, and, 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 and it was all about analyzing and getting it into. So the science of the landscape was fundamental. Science, more and more, Meta Rome was very much, our, our professor very much a mm-hmm. scientist and a very much a, a functionalist. So, so I, it took me a long time to free myself from that, and I gradually trust more my intuition. Intuition is also about trusting yourself, mm-hmm. trusting your own experience. It's about trust, and that's a, g- a gradual process. And I, that's why I feel every time that uh, I don't know if that's in the book, but I'm, I've now worked thirty years. But I, people of my generation who did other professions than mine when we were studying at the university, they all retiring. And I said, I'm just beginning. <laughs> at last, I feel free to do exactly. Right. I know what where the balance is between right. analyzing and intuition. How do you know when you get a good idea? It fits. Feels good. It fits. It's just, yeah. It is not about idea. It is about how do you, it's not much of an idea. Never have that, that, that right idea. It's more that I go into the project and, sub, and sometimes it doesn't work and doesn't run regret. I am now working on the Kirkenhof. That's that flower, you know, that huge world famous flower exhibition next door is the old castle. Mm. And it's sometimes very difficult. And then I can't find anything, but then I just. I'm there for a day and then just draw and, and analyze and try and, and then suddenly all the process of the last three hours of work fit. Mm-hmm. Suddenly, because I'm searching and searching about all and then I start here again and then I think of that and then it gradually grows and suddenly things so fit. So it's usually a seed that gets planted and yeah. it just needs to grow or yeah. can no, you it's not a also seed, have really. some spontaneous, is, yeah. no, some spontaneous some, birth that happens? Yeah, good. Yeah, that can happen, and then suddenly, but it can be a little seed somewhere that it, the spontaneous seed, mm-hmm. and then suddenly all the other things fit. There's a child, a little little element born, mm-hmm. and that makes that, and it's sometimes something very different that that doesn't come out of the sight, it comes out of the mind, and then suddenly other things fit, and how where that comes from is a mystery. <laughs> Lovely, yeah. <huh? laughs> There's still mysteries in this world. We need to hold on to some of to our mysteries. mysteries. Yeah, I think so, yeah. and and. But the, it is about uh, Craig. It is about about um, I come more and more aware that it is about um, how to explain it um, an open mind, an open attitude, not to be to have uh, too much in advance to know what to, or to want. I don't want things. Uh, I just try to fit sight with command mm-hmm. that's made. Or the desire that society that's very legitimate wants to do something about it or just wants to repair it, whatever they want, and just let to see those both things happen together and just let it happen. And I'm just a catalysator or maybe mm-hmm. a stimulator or moderator between mm-hmm. the two. And of course, there's all this this own attitude, and and and, and because my work is has has a sort of handwriting. The handwriting is a speciality, uh, spe- no, spe- speciality, but space, mm-hmm. uh, simplicity, long lines, that sort of thing. So I, I have that tendency, but on the, I start always trying to listen to that element at, at first. Have you had any any sites or any projects which lacked a certain clarity in their history or lacked a certain 
value historically or ecologically that gave you a tabula rasa yeah. to begin? And if so, how do you take your the science to the white paper? I can't, I'm thinking that I can't remember that really, that it's a completely tabula rasa. I thought maybe the private garden would be better an example to look it's something, But then, then the private garden has a relationship with the interior. Mm-hmm. It's not the garden itself, but mm-hmm. it's how you get into the garden, or how you look into the garden, or how you enter it. Mm-hmm. So, and maybe the client has yeah. a certain preconception. And the client as well. is, is, yeah, or the client wants something a very, very uh, 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 low maintenance mm-hmm. or a very hard uh, attitude. So then you look at it differently, and it's always something. It's, there mm-hmm. is always something. Even the horizon, the sky, never ch- mm-hmm. it, it's there, or the light in Holland is mm-hmm. different light than here in Spain. So it's very, very different. How you there's always something. Mm-hmm. Even when it, uh, I'm working also on the on the Eiburg, which is a new suburb in in the water in the Eimer, near, near near Amsterdam, and there's always sand. But then the edges of that sand and how it meets the mm-hmm. water and what what you can do with the form of that and how. It, form, sometimes things happen by accident, can also with the sand that's just put mm-hmm. there and then you have suddenly something that nobody intended to be of a form or, or, or design, but you find that in the, in the situation, mm-hmm. not intentionally, and I use that. Mm-hmm. Suddenly I see beauty in it from a certain angle or something. It just, it's just the open mind to, to what is there. Mm-hmm. I believe that more and more we're, as a profession we're going to be charged with and we're going to need to find and construct new natures. Do you share this belief? And if so, where do we begin to uh, come up with these new natures and where are they best positioned? I don't know if we want new, if we desire a new nature. The more problem is that we, we, we have to uh, respect what is there already, the nature that's left. Uh, but I do find also a great positive feeling, a great sort of a, a new, is that nature, which was not intended to make sort of industrial landscapes, wastelands, have a huge beauty suddenly, or have this, because of the, of the, the complete alienness of that element in, in, in the landscape. I'm now working at a, actually at a, at a dump. Mm-hmm. Um, but only the, so that gives sort of new perspective for new nature and it's already there because of the... So there are that sort of thing. But the, the problem is for humankind is more that what worries me, not nature, but how we blend nature with urbanism and the agricultural use mm-hmm. is very difficult. I mean, our landscape, we always forget and discussions are often about uh, urban and, and, and nature and urban land or landscape and green or and, 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 and red and urban and, 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 and uh, nature. But that's not the landscape because nature is the, the, the difficulty and often the, the sort of fights are between agriculture, mm-hmm. uh, uh, agrarians who uses the first century this, 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 this nature and have, have been the protector of nature. Not always, they have also been the abusers of nature with their, all the DDT and uh, the silent spring, which is uh, the 50s or 60s. Um, we abuse nature and, and we tend 
now and this human sort of thing to zone our things. This is nature, that's agricultural production and here we are, can live and, and what is really for us in future is to blend. To, you, you can have landscapes which have all three. You don't have to live always in cities but you can also disperse people into the landscape and have a very good quality of life in, in collaboration with agriculture and with natural because nature is always about zoning about 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 wetlands which are con interconnected and there are also elements where you can really do something else mm -hmm. it's always this, this here we can do and then do, do, people feel free to do anything without any respect of what was there before and on the other hand they sort of worship let look what we have left over of this beautiful natural park mm -hmm. and at the border of the natural park it's it's, it's dreadful. Mm -hmm. It's a completely, uh, you know, a free state. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you can do whatever you want. And that sort of thinking, it's very, it's politically very, very it's, it is very understandable for, from a political point of view because we need these plans and zoning and that we have done. But it is in, in, a, in, a, in a philosophical sense, it is wrong that we think in these zones. You mentioned industrial wasteland or yes. industrial transformation. What happens when our farming, or Europe's farming, evolves and um, begins to shrink? Uh, the territory of farming begins to shrink. Yeah, what, what, what kind of role do we as landscape architects have in trying to reform, reformulate um, that vegetally or yeah. programmatically or administrationally? How can we participate in the, the change of Europe's agricultural landscape? By thinking of this transformation, that's also a process. The transformation is not only always a spatial effect, it's also the use of it. So it's not only about space, but also about use. And uh, that's why I think it's also worrisome, because it, is, it changes really our landscapes, because it is the agricult uh, agricultural use gives a specific, um, specific uh, image of the landscape. And landscape architects can make people, and like Gilles Clément did this morning, and what, what I think is he does very well, is make people aware of our responsibility in those matters. And uh, why I say it worries me is because it's not shrinking, but that the, the fact is that people who live on the land don't have enough income. And that's mm -hmm. not because not we the, the consumers yeah, are not eating, willing. We're eating less. Not eating <laughs> less, but we 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 there's in the in between the marketing and all that that takes all that energy out because they earn too little to really <laughs> make a living out of it, and that means that it's it become all industrialized and that and that the and that's another mm -hmm. problem is that our food is so very dilapidated and, mm -hmm. or it's very tasteless because of all these warehouses where we we produce it. And that's again a question of prices and whatever. Mm. But so, I'm, I'm, sometimes I feel also it's beyond us because it's all about economy and all this big money and going, going on a European level also. And on the other hand, I'm a positive person and so I think we should also show and continue to advocate the, the respect for nature mm -hmm. and the people who, who, who manage it. Mm not only on a natural level, but also on a private level as, uh, as agrarians. And a regional level. And a, and a regional level. Yeah, and a regional level. And because the farmers are in fact managing much more of the landscape. 
than uh, the yeah. landscapers are. And so I think also it's very good in Holland we and I have this that we that 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 if farmers have a woodland in it and they they, 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 they they manage it as they used to do it all the time and it's now completely abandoned that we pay them to 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 to, mm-hmm. to, to manage it. So that's also a sort of a, 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 a real income for them because they're doing something that's for, for, for the society as a whole, right. something of benefit. So I don't see anything wrong in that because on the other hand, if only natural uh, nature conservation organizations, they're very bureaucratic to be mm-hmm. honest because there's also another thing is the groundedness. There's another thing in society that people are taking care of nature who have very little connection, real connection, rooted connection to nature. Because they're not living in it, right. they're thinking about it. They're, organiza- they're very bureaucratic, mm-hmm. this organization can be very... So I'm also advocating in Holland that there are many different sort of organizations, one huge big organization that takes care of our natural monuments, as we mm-hmm. call them, nat- natural areas, but many, because then you have more, more diversity also in management mm-hmm. ideas, because they change also continuously. Do you think it's possible to find a balance between um, the ecological terrain or the terrain that's most most uh, affected or most necessary for our ecological systems and our agricultural terrain, which is necessary for our food, and our urban vegetal terrain, which is necessary for our leisure? We yeah. have overlaps between these, but do you yeah. think we can will be able to find a healthy balance here? I, I think it's not a question of will. We have to find a, a, a balance. It's, it, 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 it is. We have to balance it. So it's not... I, I, that's a continuous fight, a continuous fight about, about how to balance all those three things. And it, it demands an attitude of not being secure, but always not being rigid. Mm-hmm. Politicians, which have, have and long run the the, uh, the say, uh, to educate them that it's that you can do all three at one time, but that that's also what we can show them that the, those things are feasible, and the feasible. That's what I wanted to say. Also, landscape architects should learn not to interfere, because we are a profession that interferes by definition, mm-hmm. because we are asked to do a project. The thing is to do as little as possible, and to listen. What what what? Sometimes you can do something very little, which has the maximum effect. Mm-hmm. To be conscious of how 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 our landscape is used by the difference, and to 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 and that and, and on other other hand, ecologists. We are we all experience that ecologists who design is terrible mm-hmm. because ecologists design ecological design. So it's always squiggling around, and it's always, you know, it's very, you know, um, Rudolf Stein with all the so it's terrible designing, and so it is a, 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 a fall to think that um, uh, design is contrary to ecological. Mm-hmm. Ecology is about maintenance and how that you maintain it always in the same way, and design is about differences. So you can you can design things. That and it could be easily a straight line, but be ecologically very interesting. But the two intermingle not, not well. And the other side, farmers, are, they're, they're, when I work in real large-scale projects, 
farmers, there, there's also a very great difference in the education of farms. Some are very rigid and are really only in production, and others are very broad-minded and know what to do is that they also have another. <laughs> so it's always, you always look for people who have this broad mind and, and see in this perspective a different place of use. Because the uses also with recreational, there are all these recreational sociologists in Holland, and they say we have to do it like that. The only thing I always advocate is open up the landscape, make paths, that's right. all we need. We don't need all these green stars, as they said in the 60s in Holland. We don't need all these recreational areas. What are we doing? People saying what to do, swim, uh, jog, uh, play football here. No, we just want to open up, we want to leave our cities and cycle, or go by car or, or walk into the landscape. And then there's more than enough, not needed all these infrastructure. No, we need infrastructure, very uh, uh, small and, and, and an intricate in infrastructure mm -hmm. for the slow movers and we don't need all these huge uh, parks and everything. How can we intervene in a very light fashion as you're suggesting mm -hmm. and put the landscape into a framework where it's appeared to be highly valuable and not so fragile for mutation or change or sort of further development? Another time, I have to think really what you're asking. Uh, Often, if the landscape isn't yeah, clearly articulated, yeah, yeah. it loses its value and yes. becomes very fragile to um, mm -hmm. to further development. How can we sort of create these light interventions that make it clear that the landscape, the landscape one enters into, is to be valued? Yeah. I think it's in different countries different. I'm speaking about my most of my experience in Holland is that it's, uh, it's different from the uh, United Kingdom, is that you have these landscapes which are very inaccessible because of the water we have also. Mm -hmm. You can't just jump the fence. It's, it's all these ditches. So um, it is, we have an, an agricultural economy in, up to now. Mm -hmm. um, although it's not also industrial. And, 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 but, but it has a very powerful economic uh, basis in, in, in agriculture, it, it tends to be very, uh, very um, well maintained and very close society. And the thing is that it is a fight against uh, the conservative, uh, the conservatives, the, the, the ecologists, who want more and more terrain. They buy all hectares for that, and then there's a fight. And while I think it is more the blending of it, and that takes that takes uh, communication. It's communication between the two mm -hmm. different, and that's always very difficult. If you tend to be in your own world, it's much easier than, than, than trying to, to, to communicate with mm -hmm. another world. So um, these, these interventions are fragile, but I believe they are very important. And, and it doesn't mean, I did once a project also with, 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 with where, where they wanted to, to invest in a, in, in a landscape. It was near Amsterdam and it was, and, and uh, this was really quite a long time ago, at least 20 years ago. And we said, don't do anything. They said, yes, we must make it into woodland mm -hmm. because that's the only way that people won't use this for a building mm -hmm. because uh, open land is always available. Uh, open meadows are also always elements where you can build. Mm -hmm. And a wood is when you have to cut, to cut the, 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 
the trees, that's very difficult. Mm -hmm. So they wanted to. And the landscape asks, it's, it's, an, it's, it's a real Dutch, uh, you know, peat landscape, which doesn't want woodland. Mm -hmm. So we, we won the fight and invested in all sorts of little places where you could sit mm -hmm. and, 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 and stay for a while. But that was a huge uh, uh, turnover. It means very much in the thinking of the people who worked in the recreation of Europe. So these points of sitting were like little fortress yes, outposts yeah, outpost. to protect the yeah. open space. And they space were really they were also designed like little fortresses, just mm -hmm. places where you can picnic mm -hmm. or just stand still or, mm -hmm. or be for a while, and then you just cycle or walk on. Mm -hmm. You are listening to Terragrams, and our guest is Michael van Gesel. Michael, a Dutch landscape architect, is a self-employed independent advisor of landscape architecture and urban planning. In the fall of 2008, he was a finalist for the Rosa Barber Prize of the 5th Biennale of Landscape in Barcelona. You're clearly still in the thick of your practice and yeah. sort of continuing on. Yeah. How do you how do you structure structure your office and are you are you independent or are you working with work, working with others? No, I'm, I, I, I've I've worked uh, eighteen years for B and B. I was and, and I worked in that office and it was a very successful office and we were very much uh, together with other other uh, other landscape architects. I loved that work. Uh, it was very uh, you know it was very. Um, Stimulating because mm -hmm. I think uh, con uh, discussing projects together is very important. So I, I, I like doing that, and uh, but I did it for 18 years. And last years I was director, so I really was responsible for the acquisition of projects and to sell the project and to get the the, the whole. You know the, the so it took. I was at last 40% of my time was management and 60% time I was coaching the other mm -hmm. designers. So, and how, maybe I was designing one or two projects at a time, so very little. So in the long run, I thought I want to, to start all, all over again and really design myself and really be on a project, because that's where my heart is, because management, many people can manage, I mean, the world is filled with managers, <laughs> but designers or, or landscape architects with a certain sensitivity, um, I live uh, much less, so I thought I must go back to my profession, so that's why I, I decided to um, to go on my own, and I'm on my own. I'm really on my own. I'm an office one man. Oh yeah, I have an assistant. I have a, mm. I have a <laughs> personal assistant who works for who, and then uh, who, who sort of coordinates the things. I really uh, my office, mm. and for the rest, I hire everybody. Mm. People, contractors, uh, but also people who do the technical part of the work, who make my booklets, who draw the CAD CAM uh, uh, drawings, uh, whatever. But also, I mean, if I have now an exhibition of my work in, in Apeldoorn, I, I find a very young bloke that I, you know, I thought, I, I look around and it's a very young man and he, he, he I saw an exhibition I thought, oh wow, this is lovely, if I ever have a chance, and then I got this chance of the, mm -hmm. the exhibition and I immediately rang him, said, you don't know me, but I know your work, <laughs> so come on, let's do it. So I like to do it that way, and people are autonomous, it's sort of, later on I thought, oh, this is really a network office. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it was exactly. very modern, but I didn't think of that at all when I started it. Well, did it come to you as a flash to leave B&B and to... No, when I, when I became director, I knew what I was in for. And the directors before me were also about seven years mm -hmm. doing it. And I thought, I'll do it seven years. I had difficulty leaving. I mm -hmm. found it very nice because I had difficulty... Two things, I had difficulty leaving this practice, which was very successful and had very international 
projects was working all over the world mm -hmm. and it's, I thought that was sort of also very uh, Peter Stuyvesant on you know, the world of uh, <laughs> getting everywhere and so I thought I will be in, in sort of quiet area and maybe I have to do gardens again or maybe that sort of thing so I was anxious about that uh, and I loved coaching these people these young people it's mm -hmm. lovely to see people mm -hmm. grow in their lovely to see somebody who say what you want to do and I thought that that was very nice about mm -hmm. managing that you see people finding their niche and growing mm -hmm. into good architects you know that's that's very nice to see that but um, do you miss working together yes that's a bit no and but it was completely different that's what the thing because it's nobody asks ever if I have an office of 20 people behind they, they don't seem to mind <laughs> they just give these huge assignments and I, 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 I mm -hmm. say mostly say no and sometimes I say yes and then I organize them but uh, what, what did you want to ask excuse me I was if you missed the collegiality no but I don't miss that because work, because work, I, work I, I discuss it with with the with the commissioners I'm mostly and mm -hmm. and Craig I'm doing half of the time landscape architecture the other half of architecture the other half of the time I'm a supervisor for huge urban plans, so I'm, I'm, I'm always, I'm continuously in meetings and discussing the state of the art with all sorts. So, and mostly that's very interesting because I'm, I'm, I'm on these boards with sociologists, mm -hmm. uh, urban planners, architects, landscape architects, ecologists, depends very much on the project. And these are huge discussions mm -hmm. all the time on a hugely high level, mm -hmm. so I always think, I'm being paid for a lovely education. <laughs> do, do you find um, do you find it hard to make the voice of the landscape clear? No, I don't find it hard, but I continuously people say you're really so 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 demanding and you're so clear about what you think. Mm -hmm. But I don't. I just speak from the heart. Mm -hmm. But apparently, I'm very forceful. Apparently, <laughs> you can't get around me. I said this is the way to do it or not, mm -hmm. and. Apparently that's better, but I'm not very conscious of that. I get that feedback, mm -hmm. but I'm with when I'm at the project and when I'm supervising, I do it with my complete heart, and, and not not much. I do it with my mind, with I listen, but then mm -hmm. I really speak. What, how do I feel about this? If I don't feel right about it, then I really speak it out. And sometimes not clear why I don't feel right about mm -hmm. it, but then I say I don't feel right about it, mm -hmm. and then together with the rest of the group, we find out why. Mm -hmm. No, I feel free because I'm also free. That's so lovely about life, <laughs> isn't it, Craig? Because you got free. <laughs> you can say whatever you want. <laughs> and if they don't like it, then they just leave it. <laughs> I always think that sometimes well, people say also, don't you think it's, it's awful if, you, if your advice is not followed? I said, I think it's very stupid if your, my advice is not so You pay for an advice and then you don't follow <laughs> it. That's, that's, that's very stupid to do that. I want to go back a yeah. little bit in time. The Park Lavalette competition, by my counts, has been the most referred to benchmark in contemporary landscape architecture. The, the what about Park Lavalette? Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, uh, that's a long time. Yeah. And was won by an architecture firm. And second prize also went to an architecture firm. And you're you were working on one of the you worked on a scheme with B and B, uh, yeah. Bucker and Bleeker at the time, yeah, yeah. that won the first round. Won a first, uh, yeah. basically won first prize in the first round. It's a quarter. There were nine plans. It's a quarter. Yeah. Was this really a pivotal moment in contem contemporary history of landscape architecture? 
And what were your your feelings when you heard the results that um, Bernard Schumi's project won and that the OMA project was second in comparison to the work that that your team had had produced? So was it a real was it really a turning point? In history? It was. Or is it just a benchmark that we we refer back to? And then what were your feelings personally about about the results yeah. of the competition, the decisions of the jury, and then finally what it actually produced? Yeah. Um, I don't think it's a turning point, but it is a benchmark. It is a. It was a. It was really you know the period before and after. What was you must think uh, it was a, economically a, not a very good time at that moment. There was uh, uh, European Europe was in a recession, so um, it was it was very little built. So the whole world submitted a plan for. I mean, for now, we, but at that time, about I think there were about 500, 600 plans, mm -hmm. 400, nearly 500 plans, and very well. You know, you had to really study it and draw. I mean, it was huge amount of work. So that was a huge amount of energy worldwide went into it. So. And it was be not because of the, of the speciality of that project, or that, that certain part of it, because in Paris and because it was advertised as the park of the 21st century. Uh, so there were certain things that were uh, special, but it didn't demand that amount of attention. But because of the economic situation, many people thought, this is our chance. And we were a young officer, so we thought also, this is our <laughs> chance. We did the utmost uh, that's always lovely about competitions in an office because you discuss it thoroughly and for weeks and months I think we drew, we worked on it three months every evening and every weekend to get this project done mm -hmm. and it was uh, a huge project so we, I, I loved that process and I loved the thoughts that we were behind it and, the, and why we wanted it that way and landscape architect that moment was still quite a sort of a, a, a soft uh, greenery profession of parks and this demanded really a very urbanistic view, a built view. It was green but it was about urbanism. It was how do we transform this old abattoir terrain into a city, a green city, but it, the program demanded also a lot of building. So it was really a, a more an urbanist plan, a green urbanist planning assignment than a park in its traditional sense. So that made it interesting. We were flabbergasted, I may say, or completely, we, we, it was, we got the message that there were nine X prizes XA core and then, and then we thought, how lovely, and we, were, we, got, we got telegrams at that time, we did have these emails and everything, so we got <laughs> telegrams and everybody was so happy that the Dutch office had, was one of them. And then we went for the briefing for the second round and then we saw all the, uh, it was only later that we, we, we envisaged that the nine, the exception about the nine was that they, they looked at this project as an urban project, at a, as a city, which has a city, uh, um, thinking of a, the city and its, its, its urban attitude and urban environment took hold of this dilapidated grounds of the old abattoir, La Villette, instead of making a park which is in an element in itself. No, the city was, you made a project that allowed the city to 
take possession of that mm -hmm. area. To That's grow, in, grow, grow into, into that area, exactly. And all the nine had that. That was so lovely. Mm -hmm. And at first you think, everybody's inventing this. You always think... <laughs> but many didn't made all sorts of plans and all sorts of design and whatever there was. So that was the, the special thing, so there, those nine. Then we had the discussion, the presentations, and then I must say that we... No, I was, I was there because I did it with Rick. Bakker, uh, we did it together there because, uh, uh, not because of the, the French, like I speak French and English and it was a in the French uh, and English language, so we, we did it together and um, I was very much, to be honest, very much in favor of um, Rem Kohlhaas' plan because I thought Rem Kohlhaas was close to ours, ours were much greener, but the, the sort of... Uh, more, more inspiring, I thought, is, but the whole structure, um, structure, exactly the same, one straight line and bands like that, and mm -hmm. his drawings were exceptionally well done, so I was, and he's a genius, so I thought he did very well, and I would have loved him to, to get that assignment. Mm -hmm. I thought Chumi was a bit feminine, to say, mm -hmm. uh, in, not as a person, but as a, as a plan. Right. All these, the very postmodern, and at that time I saw a bit... Fussy, is that a good word? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a good word, but can you understand it in connection with the with this very postmodern plan? And um, and there was a big, huge fight at that moment that Chumi had changed his main main uh, plan because he didn't have the straight line going from north to south, and every all the others had it except Chumi, uh -huh. and he changed an essential in part. In the second round. Yeah, because he saw that all the others had that line, so he did that and changed it in the second round, and you were not allowed to change the, the main plan, you were only allowed to elaborate uh -huh. on your plan. And so there was a great discussion, I thought, now oh, what are these old people about procedure? And of course it is, it isn't the plan of the 21st century. It, Rem Kohlhaas was the plan of the 21st mm -hmm. century because it's open-minded. Chumi is not an open-minded plan, it's a very close plan. It's a, it's a plan of the times, it's the plan of the 80s, it's a mm -hmm. postmodern plan. Um, but it wasn't at that moment, it was a very contemporary, extremely contemporary plan. It was not a plan of the next so century. So it's not the, the Mies van der Rohe pavilion no. of its time? No, not at all. No. And do you... Have you visited? Yes, I've recently? visited, and I think it's I th I'm, I'm, it's very uh, it's very French. I hope <laughs> I don't hurt them, but it's very French. It's very extremely formal, and I dislike that formality. Mm -hmm. It's not, you know, it's it has lovely spots and it has lovely elements and 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 there are gardens in it which I but it's so over the top, OTT, <laughs> very OTT, very over the top and very formal and very. I wonder if it's yeah it will it will it will keep its time because it's a monument of the times. Now, yes. So 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 it will keep it, but it is it is, and I I I gather it is a success, but it is in 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 verbal of it, it it is still successful because it is very much a green area, but mm. it it could have been much more successful, mm. spatially. Mm. You and a handful of your Dutch contemporaries recently took a tour of the United States. Oh, you're very well informed. <laughs> How great was that experience? It was lovely. And what, what drove you all, or propelled you all to take a few weeks? How much time? Two, two and a half weeks, nearly two three weeks. weeks. I live in a country which, is, which has a wonderful attitude towards culture. In some ways, we have 
I mean, it's not in America, and they were amazed that we could all go. We have this. We have two foundations. It's maybe nice to explain. We have two. We have one foundation of stimulating architecture, in a broader sense. So people, commissioners, can do uh, uh, all sorts of initiative, like a like a book or um, an exhibition, or they want a, 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 a certain. Uh, municipality wants a plan and wants to ask three or four officers and they can't pay for it and so they can get stimulated. They do ask for uh, five officers of great quality to submit a plan because it's four times as expensive. Mm -hmm. So you, that, that's to stimulate on the commissioner's side, the stimulate the art and that, that, that we, 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 we tend to, to think about new ways and, 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 and now stimulate architect. The other way, the other part is Individually, people, architects, designers, artists, landscape architects, and urbanists can apply for a fun funding of uh, anything they want to do. They can study in Harvard, and then they say, "We, I want money to have that." And then, if the the, the quality of that person is good, if the motivation is good, mm -hmm. they get the money. Period. So you can do it on an individual basis whatever you want. So that's very democratic because it's the the the, the the initiative lies in the person, and people tend to do all sorts of very strange mm -hmm. things. So I think those two methods are very good that we have that. It's, it's wonderful. Uh, and so, but once that, that last uh, fund always organizes, I'm elaborating. If it's too mm, long, no, then you just say it's great. They elaborated on always, they, they saw that many people asked for um, grants to do a study trip. Mm -hmm. And then they invented the thought maybe we should. Organized and they always were very expensive those because they went all the way over the place. So then they said we do this in a group, and we organize one. We, we keep that that people want, mm -hmm. but we also organize it ourselves. And every time it's a different topic and a different uh, country. So we been, well, we were once already in Los Angeles with a group uh, um, twelve years ago or eleven years ago, and we went to Brazil in another time, and a group went to 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 to. to Japan and all the East European countries with a certain topics because mm -hmm. every time so shrinking cities etc so it's always a topic this time they want the first time it was specific for landscape or about landscape architecture and in uh, because of we were talking uh, this morning about uh, Olmsted uh, the whole uh, the whole movement in, in America the movement of landscape is much older Land, landscape architect, uh, architecture in Holland was and the schooling was very much fit towards the American system because in the 50s America was already had landscape architecture, had schooling in landscape in Holland that mm -hmm. didn't exist at that moment so that comes very much from the new country so that and the, the difference in scale between the gardens or city gardens or city ecology right up to the Grand Canyon was something that we don't experience so mm -hmm. much in Europe so we wanted that interrelationship they, and, and the thing is that you apply the, the wonderful thing is why the it's only America was nice to visit, but also the way we visit, we were with, I think, two artists, two landscape photographers, uh, la uh, two urbanists, three only three landscape architects, mm -hmm. uh, landscape critics, mm -hmm. critics, uh, an eco economist. Mm -hmm. um, so very very diverse group, art uh, uh, critics. Uh, 
so it was a very different group and that that makes it very interesting because it's about listening to the Americans wherever we're and looking at the thing and the, the, the reactions of the different professions are so different mm -hmm. so this the discussion within the group which is even more uh, beneficial in the in our thinking than most of the discussion with uh, uh, the people who gave the lecture and it's very intensive huh? mm -hmm. I mean you, you get the grant and they pay for everything but you really have to work, you have huh? to work. <laughs> it's no fun <laughs> you know, it's lots of fun but you really have to work day and night so it's very time but it's, mm -hmm. uh, it's a learning curve from here where to did, where did you go we went from New York, we went to New York, Washington, uh, Williamsburg, uh, back to Washington, then Chicago to the Prairie and the city, and, the, and then we went to, um, to the Grand Canyon. Mm -hmm. So wow. that's a, a lovely trip, very, very diverse, and very good to, to speak also with the professionals, the, the professionals in, in, and the differences in the professionals in, in, in the United States, as you know very well. They are, very different attitudes and Europe and uh, tends to see the United States very much as one very capitalistic and very homogeneous country which is of course it's not but it's always the attitude of people who don't travel relativity comes from meeting and mm. communication and there's this huge difference in attitude between the different professions professionals in the United States and that makes it also very interesting mm. their reaction towards the, the state politics, the attitude of uh, the people of America, and it's so different from ours. So it mm -hmm. is extremely yeah. different, interesting. And w when you came back, did you have more work to wrap up the research that you did on the tour? No, we, we, we sort of have this, in, in, in Apodon we have these discussions, these debates, and everybody contributes to that, and there will be a book about our different mm -hmm. contributions towards uh, the trip. But it has a huge impact in the in in, in I mean just a thought. We, uh, we, the, the thing is that you you can you get the grant. Uh, we go on the trip. The trip itself is very stimulating, and and you learn a lot. And later on, you give lectures. You you you, you disperse the knowledge you have in, in in the world in Holland by giving lectures. So it's not very direct the influence, but it's indirect. Sometimes years after. When I went to Los Angeles on the same grant, mm -hmm. and years afterwards, someone said, "Would you have some, just a critic?" I was in the car, and he said, "Would you have made this plan if you hadn't been to Los Angeles?" <laughs> and I thought, "What a question!" And then I suddenly thought, "No, I wouldn't have made mm -hmm. this plan like that." Mm -hmm. It was a, a, a strip, and it was very, you know, the freedom of America, which is lovely because we are very rigid in our regulations. And, but that freedom, I said, I suddenly realized mm -hmm. that I wouldn't have made it if I hadn't had that trip. Mm -hmm. So that also made me very aware of the beneficial things of, of, of going abroad and meeting other people mm -hmm. in other cultures. So we'll see what the Grand Canyon inspires. <laughs> <laughs> yes, for example. Now, in any case, we were talking about natural landscape just an hour ago. Um, that it's, it's so breathtaking that the Grand Canyon, on a scale we don't experience in Europe, and that makes, makes it exceptional and also an icon for the Americans. But it is also very, very sad to just go just beyond it to see how a landscape can deteriorate mm -hmm. and how how dreadfully uh, wasteful it can be used just mm -hmm. say ten kilometers further outside of the national park, and that's so sad, really mm -hmm. sad to see it. There's such beauty. The American landscape is so beautiful, and uh, and it's sometimes very, very 
matter-of-factly used and in a very coarse way and mm. in a very wasteful way, mm. spatially wasted and not mm. only architectural aesthetic that doesn't matter, but spatially it does matter because it's, we have to be, in any case, in, in all circumstances, it's about with pop world population growing, it's a question of density and getting to use our landscape in a more densely way and not in a wasteful and, and expanding way, but more in intensifying that what we have already. Our cities should uh, uh, intensify and, and maybe our uh, agricultural areas or our natural areas should be also quieter. Mm -hmm. And it tends all to be just as, as intensively used, those just mm -hmm. completely different phenomena. So that's what we have to fight, <laughs> maybe. I think so. Yeah. The fight goes on. Yeah, the fight never ends. I don't want to wrap up before you talk about your recent involvement with the Landscape Architecture Foundation yeah. and the work um, that you've done to create the fieldwork catalog. Yeah. Could you talk to talk a little bit no, we, about that? It was an initiative we did because we, in Europe, on, uh, different from the United States, in Europe we are all these countries and there are different cultures and landscape architects tend to work because they're grounded in, 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 in the, their own countries and there was very little, up till the last 10 years, very little contact in between the different countries in Europe because uh, it's not the United States of Europe yet so <laughs> all the, yeah, the, the, and because of the language differences, I mean, it's only up to recently that the French speak English, I mean, and the uh, have, uh, and, 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 and others speak Spanish. It's very, it's, it, it is difficult to communicate. But I thought it was very, very important that we don't try to integrate Europe, which is very necessary, to integrate Europe on only an economical level and on a level of interchange of human resources, but also on a cultural level. And that means, that doesn't mean that we all have the same culture, but we have a new, you, you can can, in the discussion and showing what the different fields are, you can enrich your own attitude towards uh, landscape architecture. And uh, in that field, we missed completely some sort of a, we had re a review topos and we had other things, but there were very little, so we, and we, we, we started this book, Fieldwork, by people can, anybody who wants can submit a plan and a, a selection committee selects 40 plans and out of these Lastly, we had four or five hundred uh, submissions, selects 40 projects which s show the state of the art, not more or less. And they also show the discussion of the jury, comes up some sort of topics or what is important or what are assignments which are the future. And those, those, those topics are, uh, are uh, translated into uh, essays. Mm -hmm. We say now we, we, we should write an essay about our new problem with water or our climatic change or, or urban uh, the, the, the whatever it is in the cityscape or public space, what is needed at that moment, and so that compiles the book. and And I'm going to do it three times as a chair of that selection committee, and then somebody other, uh, other somebody else takes over, mm -hmm. and then it will be an institute where where there will be one of those institutes where there's more communication between the two mm -hmm. the the countries of Europe. Mm -hmm. Is it determined yet what topics? seem most poignant in this field work that should be published at the beginning of 2009? It's, it, is, it, it is very much like the last one about water and about the change in the agriculture, in the regional changes about agriculture. We have very little plants on, an, on a regional scale. 
<laughs> and it is, it is, it is sort of strange to say the least. It's very difficult to um, to show those plants because they're very difficult to to get into mm -hmm. and to to know what is really about it. But they're very needed because our regions are have a need a specific specific um, planning or attitude towards what, 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 how they have to change to, to meet the new conditions and these plants lack completely. <laughs> so we need those <laughs> and why are they not there and why uh, don't, and if they're there, why don't we show them in a very, it's also, that's professional, how can we show our, our, our interventions also on a regional scale in, in such a simple way that uh, um, uh, anybody can understand mm -hmm. that and they are so intricate and so difficult to understand even for professionals that's something wrong about that mm -hmm. so, that was one of those discussions mm -hmm. of what what shall we do with it well we look forward to the, mm -hmm. yeah. the, the, the next, next one and the what? next one <laughs> <laughs> and the next one after yeah. that the last yeah. field work what were the essays based on uh, I can't remember exactly but it was about water in any case mm -hmm. one of that because we found out that the northern countries were, had difficulty getting rid of the water and the southern <laughs> countries had difficulty <laughs> getting yeah. the water and that meant different, a completely different project because that's always the, the discussion eh, in Europe in Spain it's about the discussion of, of architects and landscape architects in Europe it's always a discussion between north and south mm. the difference in attitude but it is not only a difference in attitude it's really the difference in climate, in land mm. and it, it's culturally very different mm. Latin is another culture than mm. the Anglo-Saxon countries of the north mm. really different and, and, and the older I get the more I'm aware of that suddenly to wrap up could you tell us briefly how how you see your work and your practice in life evolving in the next 10 years? I love my work, so I'm very passionate about that. So it's, it's very lovely. I mean, if you have a profession, if this is one of the loveliest professions. Don't you agree? You're great. <laughs> yes. it's, it's, we work in, in an urban field. We work in a, with green, which is always very much in contrast. So I, it's very... You, you, you make a project and then you leave again, you intervene and then you... It's in all ways, it's very, very diverse and it's very, you know, very gratifying. That's what I think. So I hope to, to, to be able to go on for a long while. And um, I, I must say that I think the difference is... I found a very good um, equilibrium, um, balance between uh, landscape architecture and urbanism and it, it, I think that that is quite exceptional not, uh, because landscape architects and urbanists tend to be two very different worlds as we, as we heard this morning also but they aren't different because it's mm -hmm. the same attitude or process urbanists tend to be more or less uh, end plans and this <laughs> is what we want and landscape architects by profession and by, by definition open processes if it's good so I think that combination is very fruitful for me and I like also the different attitudes because in the world of urbanism is completely is much harder much economic mm -hmm. more economic and much more money goes around so it's much more about power and much fiercer but the combination of that luckily with 
with a landscape architecture, pure song, traditional landscape architecture is lovely. Mm-hmm. Really, it, it inspires me both in both ways because I'm, I think, as a landscape architect, quite hard in that field, in the green field, and in the in the in the in the in, the, in this world of, of, of big money, etc. I'm sort of a, a strange. Uh, uh, softy, <laughs> and I, I I like those roles, <laughs> and I th- I'm developing. No, I it's also in my life. It's not about very different. I, it went it, it went also very gradually. It's also transformation. Every time I go from one step to the next, and it's not really a step. It's a, a transforming mm-hmm. to the next phase, and 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 trying out new possibilities. Mm-hmm. So it's lovely. It's very dynamic. It's lovely. <laughs> so there's nothing wrong with this. Uh, Oh, I, I like my job and I, I really enjoy it very much. The only thing is that I work too hard. <laughs> I was talking to to uh, uh, Gabrielle Keefe and she says, oh, our problem is that we're passionate and we, don't, we work too hard. We all have to say that. And Henri Duvard doesn't know where to stop either. He says, I'm, I need a sabbatical year. We're, I'm fed <laughs> up. I'm just tired. You know? mm. That's also the tendency that yeah. these, these people are because they're. so much demand and that, that's a nice thing because right? there's also a difference with, between the time when La Villette was there to come back to La Villette is that it is at that time it was still very much you had to not about the profession that the profession was something that had to be defended no there was the work because of the economy but also mm. that the and now it is landscape architecture is a synonym with quality so or even if it's not needed, I think, but, but uh, I don't need to do anything here, it's all right, or, or just leave it, just leave that natural area, just take take your hands off and just build here and just leave it. It's, it depends very much, and that is a great difference that there's a huge amount of work for landscape architecture, and there's a huge hunger for quality, mm-hmm. and the quality now is very much, and that's really the future, natural environment. We're very mm-hmm. much into wellness, into, into uh, nature, into the, the 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 healing power of nature and green, mm. and that's 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 sunk down very much into all these disciplines, and they, they use it in sometimes a very wrong way. But that's us to to show that that, that they're using it sometimes in a very consuming or mm-hmm. in a very uh, parasitic, you know, parasites mm-hmm. like parasites using mm-hmm. it instead of using it in a positive and in a developing way and in a respectful way. But that's up to us. But first seed is that they're aware of that that's quality mm. that there is a chance for quality if you look at nature mm-hmm. so that's not yeah. so i live in times where everything's very changing yeah just go with the flow <laughs> <laughs> i always say just see and look and where you can contribute don't i'm not so an advocate like I'm not a preacher uh, but I'm, I'm i see what happens and then i i i, I follow my intuition and i I say what I say, and in that way contribute towards towards the enhancement of our, our profession and enhancement of of, of 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 ecology and nature in a very urbanized world. Great. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, it was lovely for this dispatch of telegrams. <laughs> it's been great to yeah. listen to your 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 history and about what's going to happen in the future. Yeah. Good luck to you. Know. And you good too. luck. Good luck on the prize. The prize giving, which is tonight. Tonight, yeah, yeah, we, we yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. Boy, we'll see. There were there, no, there were a few 
project I wouldn't choose, but there are many projects I would choose. <laughs> and that's the difficulty. Yeah. With, with, with field work, we can choose 40, and then we're, uh, it's, if it's 41 or 39 or 44, it doesn't matter. Tonight really. they need to choose one. Just one. That's difficult. That's a Terrible. challenge. Yeah, yeah. very difficult. I would find that very okay. difficult. Well, thank you, Michael. Thank you, Greg, for inviting me. Michael van Gesel, a Dutch landscape architect, is a self-employed independent advisor of landscape architecture and urban planning. Thank you for joining us for the 18th Dispatch of Telegrams. Join us next time for a conversation with John Beardsley, senior lecturer at the Harvard Graduate School of Design, art historian, theorist, curator, and author of Earthworks and Beyond Contemporary Art and Landscape. Special thanks to the books, to the wonderful, and still very cool music. You can expose yourself more to the books at www.thebooksmusic.com. To find out more about Terragrams and sign up for our next deliveries, please visit our website at www.terragrams.com or subscribe using iTunes. That concludes our 18th Dispatch of Terragrams. Thank you for joining us. Uh, myself, April, Tammy, and Brad.